Hello, everybody. This is Erica. This is Shari. And this is April. And you are now listening to Three Sykes and a Mic. Just as a disclaimer, although the contents of this show may be educational and therapeutic in nature, this should not be considered a replacement for therapy with a licensed professional. If you would like more information on how you can find a therapist in your area, please contact us on social media. Well, hello, ladies. Hello. All right. How's everybody doing today? A little sleepy, but you know, we do. President yes. accounted for. Right. Yes, yes. I'm glad everyone is in the number today. Well, let's go ahead and start with our check-ins. Um, what are you grateful for or what got you through this week? I'm not going to call on nobody. <laughs> I'm going to let us just <laughs> jump right in wherever in. we want. I'll jump in. All right, April. I, um, I, I'm grateful and I think I've given them, um, I've said this before, but for the janitorial, the custodial staff and my job, um, cause when I have stuff to do, I work late and they'll always like, make sure I'm okay. Or they'll tease me like, you ain't left yet. Why are you still here? Oh my goodness. Um, you always working on something. tell me what you're working on now. So just, um, I always say you will never find encouragement like you will at, with custodial staff. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah. You are so right about that, April. I have, um, um, one of the gentlemen, um, on our custodial staff, he's also a part of, um, one of our campus organizations, um, which is the African American, um, faculty and staff coalition. And so I love that because we're all able to kind of come together on a campus organization and interact. That's um, and that's so good. that's really how I met him, but like he's been assigned to our building now. And so I get to see him, you know, weekly. And this man is so, he's so smart and bright. And I love to talk to him because he loves to talk to me about like black history and oh, the experiences of black people. Cause he grew up in New York. Mm-hmm. And then later moved to the South and just kind of talking about like what that's been and, you know, being in an apartment where I'm the only black person, it's mm-hmm. always so refreshing yeah. Yeah. to talk to him. I love seeing him and love being able to have, you know, those kinds of conversations about our blackness and our black experience in a, so in, a, in a sea of white. So I very much so appreciate it. So, yes, yes. Nice. Um, I am grateful for it's rainy and cold here <laughs> and I'm really excited about it. Like I'm, I'm grateful that it's the weekend, the rain waited, like I can like snuggle at home and like watch TV all day and oh, wait a minute, you're gonna be watching Hallmark. <laughs> yes, I am. I'm going to be watching Hallmark because they have their Christmas movies on. Lifetime has some new Christmas movies. Own started their Christmas um, <laughs> yesterday. So I'm going to wow. be watching Christmas today and staying yes. in my house. I think I'm going to make some soup. Like I am just grateful for like this whole atmosphere right oh, now. Yes. I'm so excited about it. But that's because I'm like excited because I get to stay home and I have like an adequate reason at this Ooh. point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I stay home it's just because like I'm I just want to be at home but now it's like well it's cold it's raining of course I'm gonna be at home mm-hmm. <laughs> yes well I am I don't think I gave my gratefulness I just no. kind of piggybacked off of what um April was saying but I am um I'm actually very grateful for um the cold weather too because I have like my go-to soup, like you were talking about, Sorry, I have my go-to soup. So I have been talking about this. I'm making this soup. I've been talking all week. I'm making this soup on Saturday. So I'm making my go-to homemade vegetable soup. And I decided that I am going to put my Christmas decorations up today. Um, Cause uh, my future godson is here. So I have help. So, um, so I'm going to do that. And yeah, I have no plans to like do anything productive. 
whatsoever, which is probably bad because I got plenty of grading to do. That is not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe because I don't have any groceries. That's why I want to be in the house. I don't have any food. You don't have any food. (laughs) I'm going to have to use um, Kroger and Target pickup service because mm-hmm. I also don't want to get out to get out the car like, this is the thing like I have stuff to do that requires mm-hmm. me to get outside I'm like it's so ugly I need to get my car washed mm-hmm. oh, I need to, yeah errands you know let the rain yeah. let, let God wash it oh no inside oh <laughs> I, need, I need him to make my car clean inside oh you know? gosh I do I, yeah things I need to do but I'm not going in <laughs> and then i'm gonna regret it tomorrow so but i'm aware of that and i'm dealing with it so yeah (laughs) well let's check in as far as like what's going on in the media um and i wanted to just pull it away from just like national media and just kind of hone in on what are y'all watching? Like, what are some things you're binging on TV? Like, what are you watching this season? Fall TV came back a couple of weeks ago. And yeah. so I want to know, like, what are y'all, what are y'all up to? What are y'all watching? I have been watching a few things. So I have definitely been on my This Is Us. And I just... Yeah. You know, I guess I'm waiting one day for the for this show to disappoint, and it just never disappoints. Yeah. It is, oh it is just. I, I mean, I want to personally thank all individuals that work on this show. Like everyone, I mean, to the errand boy who goes and gets the coffee to make sure that the writers stay great. Like the, it's just so wonderful i love this show so i've been on my this is us and then one of my girlfriends um told me to watch this show called working moms and i'm not i'm not a mom (laughs) but i was like usually we tend to like the same things like if she makes a recommendation i usually like it and so i started watching this show and like the first maybe like four or five episodes I sent her a message and I was like the show is really great I was like but I think I'm gonna have to stop because I'm not a mom yet and it's really giving me like pre post-traumatic stress about being a mother because (laughs) like these children and these mother stories were like giving me a little bit of anxiety <laughs> but I pushed through and I ended up uh, like binge watching like all three seasons so I finished like this show in about two weeks and it is funny as hell that's funny it's but it sounds like it's a little bit of birth control for you uh, it <laughs> is like it's real like it it is real like I'm like, yeah, it's probably some moms out here really feeling this way. Like, I identify with one of the mothers. She's a psychiatrist. Uh huh. <laughs> she's she's a hot mess, but she's got it together. But she's a hot mess, and so I don't identify with like all the things that she does. I just identify with the you are a hot mess that still has it together, and your shit still messed up. Like, <laughs> but it's together. I don't even know, but. You can I, I don't know, but it's funny. It's funny. That's funny. I'm gonna uh, have to check that out. That's good. What about y'all? <laughs> My show that I, I have two well, three shows that I watch faithfully. Um The Walking Dead, even though there's more so a labor of love, like I don't even know if I enjoy it. It's just I can't stop. <laughs> like once I start a series, I have to finish it. Yeah, um, I'm like that too. Yeah, like it's 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 better than what it was the last couple seasons. But the show that I really like is on um, The Good Place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the last season. I just love the concept of it. And um I also Bob's Burgers. Bob's Burgers has to be one of the best <laughs> shows. On. I have not started watching it. I have it on my watch list. But I have a fair watchman. Laugh out loud yes. almost every episode. Like, <laughs> I love that show. Um, but one thing that I have been thinking about so I read a lot of audiobooks, and this is because I, I feel like I cheat, like, I feel like it's cheating. But anyway, um, 
one of the audiobooks, I think the narrator is racist. I don't know. I got to decide if I'm going to write a letter. So, <laughs> I would, so with audiobooks, you play all the characters as the narrator, right? So you got to do all different voices. Oh, my so gosh. This book is from the perspective of deep south, southern sundown towns. Um, um, the narrator is going into deep southern um, sundown towns to like to go into um, cases to exonerate people who have been falsely accused and all that stuff. So the thing is, he's interviewing like a lot of black people um, and all of his black voices sound like Bubba Gump. Um, <laughs> Or the crows from Dumbo. Oh no! Oh. Like, I don't. I don't know. I can't even do the voice, and I'm just like, I don't. It's yeah. So I think the narrator. I won't say racist, but I think he's a little. Um, I don't, tone he has stereo. He has stereotypes of the black yeah. southern voice. Yeah. And then the book um, was referencing a. a a strong, old, smart black woman who works at the firm, and, it, and they said, "Yeah, she breezed her way through Morehouse at Emory School of Law." I said, "Who reads Morehouse? Is not okay." So not yeah, women. Yeah, that. Yeah, that's my instant media moment. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and, and the name of this book? Right. Um, it's called The Guardians by John Grisham. And I read everything by John Grisham. Like, I've read all... I love his books. So this is the first one I've been like... This? Because, you know, all of his stuff is about lawyers. Like, time mm-hmm. to kill, run away jury, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been focusing a lot on, like, racism and law. So it was interesting. But those two things stuck out. I was like, I think this narrator racist. Every time he did a black character, if you could say... <laughs> audiobook too and it is not my favorite but I'm listening to it for a book club like pick it out but every time I hear like and they use different characters for like the voices but really yeah yeah which is that's a lot going on it's a lot so like each chapter is like a different character like from a different character's perspective Mm, okay different person like narrating each chapter and I think I like the book less because of the narration, like the mm-hmm. way that they're speaking and it's just very stereotypical and it's just not. But I got to bear through it for this book club. Um, I don't think I'm going to make it, though. So, yeah. <laughs> but I guess if I... Some of the things that I'm watching on TV. So I watch all my CW shows. So I watch like All American, um, which is a show with like Tay Diggs. And has that come back? Yeah, girl. Yes. Oh, thank you. It's good. I'm about to be unproductive this weekend. Oh, my goodness. That's what I'm saying. It's great weather. What's the name of it? All American. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you got to watch that. I binge watched that bad boy. Like, I don't know. After the first episode, I was like, hmm. <laughs> good show. Yeah, it's a very good show. It's a really good show. Um, so I've been watching that. Um, I've been watching like the reboot of Dynasty. Like I'm like hooked on that show. <laughs> oh Lord. I think I had enough of Dynasty when I was little. <laughs> Seeing it play. I'm like, and my mom and daddy was watching. Mm. I'm hooked on y- y'all know I like so I like my it's not necessarily well I guess it's sci-fi I like vampires and werewolf TV shows so I'm like hooked on like a spinoff from a spinoff from a spinoff legacies on CW um, any of these. Does that come from Vampire Diaries? It does. Well, <laughs> it comes from Vampire Diaries spinoff, the originals. Right. That had a spinoff legacy. Oh my goodness. I know. I know. Uh, 
So that's kind of what I've been binging here lately. And of course, like my reality TV, I love Married to Medicine. Atlanta Housewives is back and I'm trying to give it another chance. Um, Yeah, so that's kind of what I've been watching on TV these days. Yeah. I got a lot of TV shows. It's kind of like a good pastime. It's how I decompress mm-hmm. after a long week watching like mindless TV that I don't have to think about and mm-hmm. looking at people's lives that I don't actually have to like help them navigate. <laughs> so <laughs> it's good to take a break from it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Awesome. Well, glad we have our things that kind of gives us breaks from this craziness called the adult world, the scam. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> we need it. Um, so speaking of scams, let's talk about sex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you did there, Dr. Scott. All right. <laughs> Segway. Um, so we kind of touched a little bit on this in our last episode. Um, we t- talked about TI and kind of the issue behind what he the messages he was sending um with his hymen checking for his daughter and we wanted to extend this conversation into just talking about sexual identity and um particularly as women but just for everyone listening what what that looks like what are the things that can impede um or or delay our identities as, as sexual beings and the messages that we received um mm-hmm. so I wanted to talk about that on this week's episode um, so I just kind of want to, to bring a question to you all. What were the earliest messages that you received around sex that you can remember? Mm-hmm. That's for grownups and you're not an adult. And so we don't talk about it. We don't think about it. It's just not a part of your existence. Those were kind of the earliest messages I received. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, well, so messages, I guess, indirect messages, um, you know, similar to Shari, like that's an adult thing, but there was never any direct communication, um, at least early on for me about it. It was just, it was almost like an unspoken thing. It You learned like there's something wrong with it or for, for something it's not something for children because if there was some type of sexual content on a movie or a TV show, you had to cover your eyes or you had to leave the room, you know, but there was never a conversation about it. Um, even as an adult, um, you know, and unless I had conversations with peers, but early on there was no conversation about it. It was just, um, cues or like nonverbal things like close your eyes, leave the room or if adults were talking about something and you know you as a young person you heard something related to sex like the conversation stopped you know so it was taught that it was a very taboo kind of thing and then all of a sudden you're thrown into sexual education classes in the 6th grade (laughs) and you're learning about all this stuff but from a teacher yeah. in a classroom with your with your peers. What about yeah. you? Um, very similar. Like close your eyes. Like <laughs> it was so many movies I didn't even watch until I got to college because if it you know came out and had too much sexual content, I wasn't allowed to watch it, or I had to close my eyes or leave the room. So definitely mm-hmm. the messages like that you're not supposed to see this, you're too young for this, but never a conversation mm-hmm. about what this is. Um, mm-hmm. And even what sex was called, like I remember, you know, it being called doing it or doing the nasty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was always attributed to something that was like, ew, like, or you get a bad reputation. Yeah. Only nasty girls or nasty women um, do what I always think of that scene from Color Purple where the dad's like, I heard she got the nasty woman's <laughs> disease. <laughs> Um, right but it always had kind of like you're not supposed to do this but there was never a conversation when you okay so when are you supposed to do this outside of like abstinence um Mm -hmm. in school or church so yeah right and thinking about the conflicting messages that you did get you know because in church you got the whole you know 
you're not you're it's a you you shouldn't do it outside of marriage and then in school that that rule was not placed on there but then they talked about abstinence but like you said there wasn't a well when do you you know um and there's people clearly who are not following that rule what is that about you know Mm -hmm. and so you're i feel like as young people when we're not having these conversations you're left with a lot of questions and not a lot of answers but then there's people wondering why people are developing certain sexual identities when the conversations are not being had very directly at a young age in an age-appropriate way right exactly and I think it's important too that we we clarify when we say sexual identity we're not talking about sexual orientation right Um, right or behavior (laughs) right talking about just kind of and I get it because sexuality is just hard to define anyway because it includes so many things like attitudes norms um, even, you know, some of sexual behavior, but we're more talking about your ideas around sex, mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. sexual identity. So we're not talking about orientation. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Very good clarification. And I think um, we're also not talking about because Erica and I were talking a little bit before we started recording about just how um, how much we overlap sexual orientation, sexual behavior, and gender identity and how Mm -hmm. those things tend to lay on top of one another, right? So if you are, um, if you identify as male and you um, decide to, like the situation with Alicia Keys and her son, paint your fingernails, then that now means that your sexual behavior has changed, right? So we're, all of those things tend to overlap and I think we confuse them, um, which makes it confusing as we're going along and trying to identify or develop our own identities around it. And so for those of you who are not familiar with what Shari's talking about this week, um, Alicia Keys posted a video, um, where she wanted to, you know, talk to her, you know, I guess, watchers or listeners or fans or whoever about a situation where her her four-year-old son said um I think I want to get my fingernails painted but I want them all different colors right he was like I thought I think that'll be really cool so she took him to go get his fingernails painted all different colors and after the it was done he looked at it and he said I don't think I want my nails painted and she said, why? You made that decision. You know, that's, you know, it was a choice that you made for you. It's so cool. And he said, because I don't think other people will like it. And her message wasn't, she wasn't talking anything about like sexual identity at all. She was saying, you know, she was talking about how we're judged for just wanting to express our creativity. That's how she framed it. But the messages or the comments underneath the video was, where's his daddy? How does Swiss feel about this? This is why, you know, some people should not be able to be allowed to raise children. You're going to make him gay. Um, You're emasculating him. Um, Now he's got these rainbow fingernails. So now he's representing gay culture. And it was like, we have taken a a behavior of a four-year-old and translated into how it's going to shape his sexual identity, i.e. calling him, saying he's going to become gay or an emasculated male. And then those kinds of things really will feed into how we later develop a sexual identity because of the messages. And so it, it starts to blend. And we don't actually talk to people about what is a healthy sexual identity? How do you de- develop what your personal identity is around sex or your beliefs around sex and sexual behavior? Right. Have you guys ever had experiences, whether growing up or even now, that were similar to that, where it was either you can't wear that or you shouldn't look this way or you shouldn't wear that too tight or, you know, that's too loose. You're a female. Like, have you ever gotten messages like that for me where your where your gender identity is 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 blended, blended 
into your sexually identify yourself. Not really, not for me because I I have always been very like stereotypically feminine. Like I I never you know really lean too much into like mass very masculine traits outside of hanging around boys but i still was like the girly one like i was like, about to go hang with my cousins but i'm not about to jump in this mud with y'all like so <laughs> I, when you when you first posed the question i immediately went remember and it, not necessarily around gender identity but a messaging around clothing i was bra shopping with my mom and i was young so didn't have much to even put in a bra <laughs> uh, it was bra shopping with my mom and I wanted no I think it might have been either might have been panties or a bra and I wanted uh, the black ones and my mom was like you're too young for that and I'm like it's too young for a bra she's yeah. like no you don't a black one and she was like that's not appropriate and I remember being like <laughs> I don't like it made no sense to me and that was not even a conversation around yeah. I'm like do you think I'm about to be out here showing my bra? And it wasn't even like no, a Victoria's Secret lace, like right. just a plain black bra. I'm like, so I got to stick to these white and beige and <laughs> like printed blue with gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was so confused by that. Like, you really can't be this caught up on a color. Like, you think the color of something is sending a message about what I'm doing? And that, yeah. Yeah, that was similar to me, like, growing up. Like, I received messages from both sides. So, like, as far as, like, colors, like, I couldn't paint my fingernails red or, you know, there were certain things around, like, the color red because that's yes, the yes. right? That's, yeah. you know, salacious women, you yes. know? You know, yeah, you're young. You fast if you got yeah. fingernails. Um, and so that taught me messages around just like how to present myself as a non-sexual being, right? And then I, so I was always a little chunky growing up. And so I used to wear like, like looser clothes. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more so because I was like, oh, you know, and I think I talked in another episode around like just my thoughts around what my body, what, what would fit my body as a large mm-hmm. And so I always wore looser clothes. I wear like polos and like, I mean, it was kind of the, the style back in the nineties, but you know, I did it more than like my peers. Sure. And, would always receive messages around like, oh, you dress like a tomboy, you know, like you dress mm. like like a boy and you want boys to like like you or, you know, you want to come off as feminine so that you can get male attention. And that mm-hmm. was so fears as opposed to like parents, you know. And so mm-hmm. oh, I was getting messages on how to be non-sexual from home. And then messages from how to increase my sexual um, prowess, I guess, or increase my sexual look from peers. And so it was so confusing on how do I exist in the world as a sexual being? Should I exist as a sexual being? Like, is that even appropriate? Because at home, it's not. At church, it's not. But when I'm out with friends, it's like, oh, well, let's change so that you can um, present as a more sexual being. So it was mm-hmm. so confusing growing up. So confusing. And then when, how do we do that? Like, what is the expectation around helping people, you know, develop healthy sexual identities? Because I don't, I don't see anything going on right now where it's like, well, I want my son to understand who he is as a, as a sexual being. We, we all are. I want my daughter to understand, you know, who she is as a sexual being, but those conversations are definitely not being had. And it makes me, you know, want to ask y'all like, what was your, what was your, you know, sex talk? Like, because I feel like the sex talk sets you up for how you're going to see yourself or develop a sexual identity. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my sex talk was, you know, about sex, right? <laughs> I'll, never forget, I'll never forget it. It was me and my mom were driving in the car. Uh, we were like passing my high school. And I, I can't remember if that was like the day that we had the scheduled, you know, talks that we have at school every year starting in sixth grade 
And I think I was, I don't know, she was asking me how my day was and I was sharing and was like, oh, yeah, today we had to do the whole, you know, thing or whatever, um, the whole talk. And she was like, well, you know about sex, right? And I was just like, yeah. (laughs) And that was that. (laughs) That was the end of that conversation. (laughs) Um, Because, you know the messaging at home after you got older was, all right, well, you, you don't want to be out here um, having sex. You end up being pregnant, you know, having to take care of it. Like everything was, you know, around that. And so it was like, okay, well, you know, all right, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> I have this body. I have these organs. I have these hormones. Not really sure what, <laughs> what I'm supposed to do with it, but I know one thing you don't do it or you're going to get pregnant. <laughs> yeah I didn't have a talk uh, well not for my family I, I remember my mom came in and dropped a book um, on my bed it was like a Dear Abby for teens about sex book and she was like well since you won't talk to me read this and I just remember like I didn't what, you the parent I'm not you come to me like I'm not supposed to talk to her. I was like I'm like, if you ain't on you to initiate this conversation it's not happening right um, and but I went. I did a lot of those programs at school. I did two. Rachel, they they actually they had the um the True Love Weights those programs. Yeah. So mm-hmm. very. So I was pretty much scared into abstinence. Um, because I was I was always a very literal child, so I took things for face value. So when they did the activity where they passed around the the Play-Doh heart. And by the time it got to the person at the end, it was all dirty and smudged. And they were saying, this is your body. And this is what oh, happens God. every time you let someone, you know, you have sex with someone, you get smudged and dirty. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't want to be hard. Like <laughs> yeah. So I made a decision very early on that I'm like, well, I'm going to wait to marriage. And I, I'm, I'm glad I made that decision, though, because I know it definitely delayed the onset of mm-hmm. um, Thank God, because Lord and how, yeah. I'm, so I am glad for that. But even still, there was never a talk around. Well, let's talk about sex. Let's talk about what happens when you have sex. Let's talk about you know. There was a lot of conversation around like disease and pregnancy, but never around right. connections and what does that mean psychologically when you begin having sex. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, mine was, my experience was very similar. Um, I never really had a, a sex talk, per se, with parents um, or family. You know, I have an older brother and older sister. And so we never, like, that was never a, a talk that was formally had. But I learned a lot of messaging around um, abstinence through church, mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of you know the true love weights program was at our church um so a lot of messaging around that um most of my friends went to my church so i didn't get much like controversy it was like nope this is what we all believe none of us are you know engaging in sexual activity or even talking about sex and we're all gonna wait until we're married and so that was a lot of the conversations a lot of the messaging there really weren't many conversations around sex sexual behaviors just Mm -hmm. what does that look like how do you even start to think about not just engaging how do you engage in sex but how do you even start to think about sex as a human experience Mm -hmm. that was not on our radar at all which did delay my own personal um, development of sexual identity as a young adult. Um, and so, you know, I noticed that as I did start to define for myself my own sexual identity, you know, I felt like I had a big step to make. Like it was a, it was a lot of room, <laughs> you know, I had it, it was a lot to I had a lot to learn in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then how do we, I know we were talking a lot about like messages we received growing up, but kind of bring it into the present Mm -hmm. when, how do we undo these unhealthy messages? And and even how do we take, how do we even self-assess 
to know if we have a healthy sexual identity. Like I don't like I don't think that's a common question people go around asking themselves. It's like, is my the way I look at sex, is this good or bad? Like how do we even start yeah. that assessment and then moving towards having a healthy sexual identity and what does that look like so that we can maybe hopefully break this cycle um, yeah, where we're catching yeah. some shame to it. Well, I, I, I think about like the impact that the, the understood, like you just kind of have an understanding of what you're supposed to, you know, what kind of sexual being you're supposed to be you're supposed to be exclusive you're supposed to not you know save this for your husband you're supposed to you know not be out there you know Mm -hmm. and so I think about how that impacted how I saw myself as a sexual being in the sense of well what I took that as is I have to be a sexual being in silence Mm -hmm. and in secret. Yeah. Right. So I'm not going to talk about myself as a sexual being. I would not have conversations about sex with males. I would not, you know, it was like, you're not supposed to do it. If you do do it, that means if you do decide to, you know, identity like be okay or embrace who you are as a sexual person like you do that and you keep that to yourself mm. kind of thing yeah do so it. to me it, yeah it felt it felt like one of those things that you you just had to establish and learn on your own but I, you didn't talk I didn't talk about it I didn't it, so I feel like it it created I think we talked about like if you did decide like once you decide to become a sexual being like it created a sense of shame yeah like well you know is it okay (laughs) that I am a sexual being you know because it goes against like the messaging you know that I had was like but I'm an adult um but those were the messages and so how do I actually live my life as a person who is a sexual being who is okay <laughs> with, you know, who, who I am as a sexual person mm-hmm. um, and how to, how to unlearn. I think that's a hard question. Like, how do you, how do you take, how do you stop operating in that yeah. and develop your identity? I think that's a hard question t- to answer. I think like what like the question that you posed at first April around like the way that I think about sex and the way that I engage in sex is that healthy meaning am I carrying shame am I imposing shame on others Um, am I guilty for the like do I feel guilty for actions relating to sex like just kind Mm -hmm. of having moments where you're asking yourself those questions can be a starting point of saying like is the way that I have identified myself as a sexual being healthy for me and healthy for those around me Mm -hmm. you know like a starting point yeah I always go back to have a why like everything should have a why um so or being able to to know the why you are engaging in certain things so like i was reading this really interesting thread on twitter about this girl was like say hot girl summer brought her nothing but heartache like she was like i need to go back to the the wild wise words of trina or cardi would be careful with me because hot girl summer like that just wasn't healthy or whatever (laughs) um and it, it and it um led into a very interesting discussion around like sexual liberation doesn't necessarily mean to be out here all willy-nilly like Mm -hmm. right with with intention and i think sometimes the messaging like we the pendulum is swinging for women when it Mm -hmm. comes to something sexual identity but i i worry that it's swinging without context so going from like no we, we know worth is not attached to sex like whether you've had 15 partners or one that doesn't determine your worth but that also doesn't mean 
that to just well for me the way I look at it to to not still be intentional um, mm-hmm. with your your sexual identity and sexual health because there are so many things entangled with sex we you you gotta know what your entanglements are mm-hmm. like is this out of because you think you're supposed to is it because you just really want to like knowing um and being clear about the why and the what happens afterwards if this is just i need something right now versus actually this makes me feel close to this person and and if you know that's how you operate then certain things you're not going to be able to do without some type of ties with that and i don't think those conversations are being had um as yeah. often, but I think it starts with that self-assessment of knowing like what's your values around certain things and that's going to guide the way you move but I think asking the why is important and not even saying the why has to be this big profound thing but I think it gives you clarity around your behavior because sometimes you can say you know what I'm bored that's why I'm doing this and that's yeah, yeah. that's like grist for the meal so you can kind of unpack that later or I'm feeling insecure, or I'm really happy, or I really like this person, or this is just what I want to do because my body, like, but mm-hmm. um, I think having those honest conversations with self about it, and on both sides, because I don't know, I don't hear men talking about sex in this way, um, as far as, like, diving into the, the impetus behind why they're having sex, because I think it's, it's, for them, it's seen as an accomplishment, um, or like you're getting something every time you have sex, which I think ties into specifically in heteronormative cases, why we have so many issues around sex is because you have two different people who are giving glaringly different messages yeah. around sex. So that's going to shift and all that. But I think if we start kind of getting into the why, like, why is this happening? Why am I feeling this way? And letting that drive. Yeah, and like along with the why, like what are the influences? Like, am I being influenced by my own values and my own beliefs, or am I being influenced by society, the people around me, friends, family, um, like social media, cultural influences? Like, what's influencing my why, and am I okay with that? And so that's the part that and so that's the part that I'm I'm saying uh, it's a hard question to answer as far as guiding people into how do you develop a healthy like a healthy sexual identity? Because I think about stories that I've heard, you know, from friends um, just about um, the messaging that they got around sexual, you know, sexual identity. And I think about so I think about someone in particular where the the issue that they have is they have this very strong like faith-based um faith-based faith-based deterrent around like sexual behavior that has halted them from even developing Mm -hmm. or understanding what their sexual identity is right so you know, because you're told about the behavior, they can't even begin to think about themselves as as a sexual being, right? It's just completely off limits. Yet there's the struggle that they have with wanting to engage in, in some type of sexual act. And then because there's this, I shouldn't want this because that doesn't go with this thing. Mm. It's like you fail to realize that the hormones are, are pulsating and raging regardless. Like your body is your body. It's going to function in the way that if we're going to take it to a, a spiritual place, the way God designed it to. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think about people who have very strong conflict about what their body is doing and then beat themselves up over feeling the very natural things that they feel and, you know, recognizing I am a sexual being, I'm going to have these feelings, you know, and these desires and then feeling and being told by religion or society Mm -hmm. that that's not supposed to happen. 
Right. And how do you help people shift from that? Because those things can be very strong and hinder people <laughs> from developing a sexual identity. So yep. then what happens if you are that person who says, all right, well, I'm going to wait and all this kind of stuff. You don't just automatically shift from shame around sex no. to, oh, well, now I'm married. It immediately t- lifts that yep. veil, right? Yeah. Yes. So now you've got a person who was unmarried, who waited because they were told by religion or by society that you don't do this, uh-huh. who now you're married. Like, now what? Because your whole identity was based around yeah. you you being this one way yeah. and denying all of the very natural aspects of, of being a sexual being. Yeah. How do yeah. we help people shift that? therapy (laughs) (laughs) that's real like being able to have like these open well not even just open conversations because you can do that outside of therapy but being able to have a space where you can navigate the shame that you may carry around those conflicts so the cultural conflicts the religious conflicts um and being able to say like oh I I'm beating myself up because of this belief that I carry is in conflict with my wants, with my needs and with my behaviors mm-hmm. and able to navigate that with someone is really uh, the place to start, you know, mm-hmm. often happens in therapy, <laughs> which is, I, yeah, I said jokingly, but I'm dead serious. Therapy. Yeah. Um, because because the conflict resides in yourself, it's going to be very hard to navigate that, like when you are the not the source, but like it, it, it's hard to unpack that when you are pouring it in at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. understand it's not always accessible, but so it may be connecting yourself with groups, and that's the beauty about the internet is you can find these communities who are exploring these topics, like um. Candace Benbow is a great, um, she's a, uh, I won't say a personality, but she's a writer and she's, um, talks a lot about that intersection between faith and sexuality. Like she had a blog post that went viral where she says, I'm a Christian who likes sex. Mm-hmm. And she talks about what that's like to be a sexual being who also has a strong faith you know, piece of faith. And even she talked about her mom being a single mom and how the church looked down on her when her mom got pregnant. Yeah. Um, so I think mm-hmm. following or at least reading people who have had similar conflicts and explored mm-hmm. those can be helpful because you have to have something that's going to contest what you believe. And Erica, something you said made me laugh because I remember being younger and you know, my kind of my idea around faith and God was like, don't go to hell, like like live in a way that mm-hmm. doesn't lead you to hell. So I, I remember being very like moralistic and like, OK, mm-hmm. do the right thing, treat people well, don't sin and blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking that I caused bad things to happen whenever I would have sexually impure thoughts. Mm-hmm. Right? I literally believe that like, oh my God, I did this thing. Now something bad is going to happen. That's why this person got sick. That's why this happened is because I failed and having to get out of that. um, Funny idea that went out there, (laughs) but it was a lot of just kind of conversations and, and and being able to see where things just didn't line up also. But um, I think many of us are walking around, maybe not with that, that simple of a belief system, but that, we have somehow caused pain in our life because we have engaged in sex. And maybe mm-hmm. we have, but not in that, <laughs> in that right, way. Right. You might have caused some other pain related to <laughs> Right, right, right. That might be more about like literal pain. Right, yeah. right. <laughs> right. Um, so some of it is like going back to that self-assessment. Shari and I talk about this all the time when we do our black space group is what do you need to unlearn? And mm-hmm. I don't know how many of us stop sometimes and say, is there anything that I've been told throughout my life that I need to step back and question? And mm-hmm. how is it benefiting me as a person? And some of it for me, I had to start with my own idea around people who were sexually like open and liberated. Mm-hmm. And something my line sister told me, she was like, you can't judge other measure other people using your yardstick. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm being judgmental. Like, I did not realize. I thought I was just trying to help people, you know, be better and 
and mm-hmm. you know their spiritual identity and she was like that's that's not for you to decide for other people right. and so for me it had to come around my own belief system and realizing because I had fed into that belief that good girls do this yeah. and bad girls mm-hmm. do that and if you want to be a good woman and wholesome this is how you act and then once I started asking well who came up with that right because it certainly wasn't our grandparents because it let let's again let's go back to these generational expectations yeah. that people are often you know the the main sources of the people who are saying like no you don't need to do this you think back and was like but you know um janie may ain't granddaddy's and right. y'all might not have been y'all weren't married or you know like adding up you started counting yeah you know so and so's a couple years older than you know and 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 the thing is it's not to judge it's just to rec it's just to realize that you know and I understand I feel like yes it has come from a very protective place right. because they have been there and maybe there has been some pain associated with you know maybe some of the decisions and so you get those fear tactics built in because they have those lived experiences and they want you know they want you to have a different experience but it takes away from you understanding that as a human being as a man and as a woman we are um, we're sexual beings. We're going to have these feelings. These things may be in complete con- conflict with, you know, societal beliefs, expectations, or our peer group beliefs and expectations, or family expectations. And we need to have conversations to help people navigate those things. Yeah. 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 I mean, it makes me think about like asking or just kind of coming into a space of saying sex is a concept and with concepts, we have relationships with them. So what is my relationship with sex? Is it healthy? Is it unhealthy? And I often will gauge health and unhealth by saying if shame is attached, it's typically not healthy. It's Mm -hmm. like shame around what that concept looks like in your life, how you're engaging with that concept is attached to that. It's usually not a healthy space to like to live in. Mm-hmm. Um, same just does not promote health. I also want to add to that. If you're not doing it out of shame, to me, that's also unhealthy. Like I think if you're choosing to not do it, there should be some, um, it should be something that is a healthy reason, something that's good for your your mental psychological health as to why you're why you're not doing it. I feel not, like not, not having sex, sex. Yeah, okay. like not having sex out of shame to me is just as bad as having sex and then feeling shame yeah. about doing it. Right, right. Because I also know I know people who, you know, they're they're not sexually active individuals. They are adults who have chosen not to have sexual relationships. And the fact that they don't is actually, it causes distress for them. Mm-hmm. And, and it's because they're doing it, not because of it is a strong conviction for them. They're doing it because they have a strong faith belief that says, if you do, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And to me, that shame says there's some kind of conflict then. Yeah. And shame with with shame around anything, you always I think it's helpful to ask yourself, where is this coming from? And can I trust those those sources? And are sources the end all and the be all, especially especially when our shame comes from messages from you know, culture, we know culture changes and um, even just the intersection when we think about race and how black women in particular around sexuality has there's always been conflict and confusion around being perceived as too sexual. And then, you know, got the Mammy and the Jezebel thing going on um, with how we can even express. I, I understand why it's a conflict, especially mm-hmm. if you've been growing up in, in the church and then not only I mean, there's so many things you can tack on to it, whereas sexual orientation adds a whole nother layer to it. Um, trauma right. experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, 
rates of black Absolutely. women who are sexual assault survivors. So then Absolutely. when you tie trauma and sex together, it's, it's difficult to untie those things. Exactly. And, and For men the, and women. women yeah. yeah, we know that's a reality just statistically. Um, but how often do we stop and dive deep? And, and it can get, it's, it's not a fun dive, but Oh. I, I keep going back to that when we talk about sexual identities, you got to start with where 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 does this come from mm-hmm. uh, and what's serving you? And can can you change the message around some of these things in a way yeah. that's more healthy for you individually? Because my sexual identity is not going to be the same as right. you know, the person next to me. Yeah. Definitely. Right. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Very interesting conversation. So um, I would absolutely challenge our listeners to think about some of these things and ask yourself some of the questions. Um, What were some of my first messages around sex that maybe started shaping my sexual identity? Um, What are the things that influenced um, or have influenced how I have developed my sexual identity? Um, do I have shame around, um, you know, my, my, the way that I identify my sexual identity and have I connected those behavior, sexual behaviors with my identity? There's a lot of things that you can start to do to unpack this and really explore because what we don't want to do is continue to have generations of men and women who have their identity connected to, um, Things that are harmful and that will perpetuate um, an unhealthy identity. Yeah. Very cool. And I will say that Brittany Cooper in Eloquent Eloquent Rage kind of touched on this, too. Oh, Um, yeah. I got the book just literally sitting in front of me on my coffee table. You know, they're just lots of different gems in that book. I love it. Um, Shari, I know she's someone that you know. Is she a friend? Yeah. hometown family yes um have her listen in as we talk about this and kind of get her thoughts around just the conversation so yeah yeah Yeah. there was there was a section um when chicken heads come home to roost by i think it's joan morgan and his exploration of of like women and and hip-hop and portray actually resourced a lot of it in my dissertation which i focused on like black women and development specifically around like in context of hip hop. Um, but she touches on a lot of that. And I, I mean, the, you can tell by the title, it's a little dated. <laughs> the whole, <laughs> when chicken heads come home to roost is a very good one. Interesting. Well, you know, I am looking for that, um, winter break reading list. I'm compiling yeah. it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> got, I got a few on the list. So <laughs> that, that might get at it. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Well, um, we're going to just, what are some of the takeaways? If we had to identify just a takeaway from this conversation, um, what are some things that we want our listeners to to come away with? Mm -hmm. Um, I think just from the last comments that we were talking about, I think being able to start the exploration of your own sexual identity. Um, it's regardless of what age you are, you know, it's always healthy to explore how you relate to sex, um, your, how you relate to how you define your sexual identity. And one of the good ways to do that is by reading materials. So, you know, come off of social media for a second, um, and bring out some like educational, um, reading materials around like sexual identity, um, how to start developing just identity in general, um, how to think about shame um, as it pertains to different identities and specifically sexual identities. Um, and so picking up a couple of reading materials to think through and begin that journey. Uh, we said therapy is definitely one of the places that I think is is a really good place to start, but mm-hmm. we know that isn't always accessible to everyone and so you can start your own like bibliotherapy so reading mm-hmm. um, and that's a really great place to start picking up these 
or just start questioning some of the messages that you get or just the way that you connect to the concept of sexual identity. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Um, I will say to that, to that own self be true, meaning start with you, um, and try to find your voice mm-hmm. when asking yourself these questions and try to rid yourself of the voices of your pastor, your mom, your grandma, and ask, what do I want? What do I need? Uh, what's, what's going to work for me to feel like a, a better person and not attaching your worth to your your sexual identity or sexual behavior is like being able to separate those mm-hmm. two names. Um, and I'll add another name um, to to that reading list or people that I found helpful, especially who who navigate that intersection of sexuality and faith and um, and race is Akia Speaks. That's her Twitter handle, K-I-A-S-P-S-P-E-A-K-S. Um her website is Kia Speaks also, but she's another social media kind of influencer that I think does a really good job of, of kind of talking through some of what we've discussed today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, you know, again, I think one of my takeaways, and you kind of mentioned it, is start start separating some of these things. You're, start separating the religious identity your social self or social identity, your sexual identity, your gender identity, and really start to look at um, where these things are coming from. Like you said, the messaging. And then I would, I would also throw in like journaling. So sometimes I think like writing stuff down and really kind of seeing it or rereading it sometimes makes you go, wow, is this like, is this what is, informing you know my mm-hmm. life like you start reading some of the things that are in your head that you repeat or things that you don't even re- realize are con or subconsciously being told to yourself throughout and you put that stuff down on paper and you might yeah. start to explore or question yeah. some of those things so I would say start journaling about what this looks like for you and see if that if that feels healthy and then if there are some things that don't start you know tapping into different resources to um to redevelop or unlearn some of these things um and and put in you know healthier messages or healthier ways of thinking um about yourself and your identity i like that yeah all right well let's pull out of the sex conversation um and no pun intended. Um, ah, that's what she said. Ah, no. It's like, wait a minute, I made it funny. Um, so yeah, let's pull up the back conversation and bounce into a different um <laughs> conversation around love and who we'd like to send our love to. Um, as we um, wrap up the episode, is there anyone or anything? or any ones in particular that you would like to pay it forward to, to sing your love going into this week? <laughs> oh, goodness. We have no love. Ain't nobody I know, right? I just got like, I like, something <laughs> earlier this week and I forgot. <laughs> I literally forgot. Jesus, Father, um, I'm going to send my love to my brother because I'm a horrible sister and I call like once every two weeks. Um, and, you know, I know he's he's dealing with his own stuff, but I would send my love to my brother who who always asks about what I'm doing and checking on me, make sure I'm all right and still trying to convince me to move back home because uh, he thinks I'm too far away. <laughs> um, no, um, he's not right now. So, yeah, that's how I'll send my love to. Yeah. Um, I want to send my love to my aunt, Tina, who is um, in the hospital right now. She Mm -hmm. has been dealing with a lot of health issues, um, probably going on like two years now. Um, And she had rebounds and was doing pretty good. And then just some new things have come up, you know, come upon her. And so I'm going to send her my love. sending prayers of healing um her way um and so yeah i'm gonna send my love to her 
get better. I want to send my love to um, my friend Tony, um, who has endured the recent loss of his mother. Um, So I want to send my love and my prayers and my um, just encouragement to him, his um, children, his family, his brother. Um, as they are going through this grief period. Um, so I want to send my love out to them. Um, so yeah. Right. Awesome. Well, thanks everyone for listening. This has been a really, really interesting conversation. Um, I hope we, we may, I hope we get some really good questions or feedback about this. So yeah. make sure that you are following us on all our social media accounts. We are on Instagram and Facebook as three Sykes and a mic, the number three Sykes and a mic. We also have a Gmail account. Uh, do I have to say Gmail account? Does that mean we sound old? We have an email <laughs> account. <laughs> you can reach us at three psychs and the mic at g three psychs and a mic at gmail.com. Also, if you are enjoying these episodes or have a favorite episode, please leave us a review um, on Apple specifically. We will also, um, maybe what we can start doing is reading some of our top reviews that we get. Uh, just to kind of share what people are saying. So if you leave us a really good review, maybe we'll read it on the episode. So please rate, like, subscribe, all of that good stuff. But please share the episode with your friends and loved ones. And thanks again for listening. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Awesome. Bye. Bye.